0: All right, we are back for part two of this series on giving and receiving feedback. On the previous episode, I talked to you about the art of receiving feedback and I shared five things you need to do to receive feedback well. On today's episode, we're talking about how to give feedback. You're going to learn how to give feedback in a way that sets the receiver up well and makes the whole process way easier way less stressful. Let's do it. This is a podcast about making work work. You'll learn about leadership, career growth, and how to navigate those weird work challenges. I run a HR consulting business called Boldside, where I help leaders build epic team cultures. If you lead a team or run a business and you think I can help, let's connect on LinkedIn. My name is Shelley Johnson. It's time to get to work. This is one of my favorite things to talk about giving and receiving feedback. This is what I do work on with teams all around Australia. This is one of the most requested masterclasses we run because most teams struggle with this stuff. It is difficult to have difficult conversations, case in point. That's why we avoid this stuff because we don't know how to do it. So I'm going to give you the tools today, the five rules. It could be six. You never know. There's going to be some rules about how to give tough feedback are you ready? We're all ready. If you're on your walk, turn it up. If you're on the train to work, take your headphones out and turn it up so the person next to you can hear because they probably need to hear this too. Or just share it with a friend, whatever. Let's do it. Okay. Rule number one of giving constructive feedback. Don't wing it, plan it. A lot of feedback goes wrong because we don't give it any forethought. We don't plan it out before we have the conversation. It's kind of like, you know, when people get up and they give a presentation at work, they might get up in a meeting and they have to present and you can tell they're really underprepared and like that idea is kind of cool, but you really stuffed up the delivery of it because you didn't prepare or you were caught unaware and so it didn't land well. That is very similar to what happens in difficult conversations at work. Because they're difficult, we avoid them. But then the thing is, by avoiding it, we make them more difficult because then we just wing it. We're like, I'm just going to wing it and see what happens. But we need to remember, if we want to have a good conversation, we have to think about the person receiving the feedback. We have to put ourselves in the mind of the audience rather than just thinking about what's easy for us. And what's easy for us tends to be withdrawing, avoidance, not doing the thing that's difficult because you know, we retreat from that stuff. We retreat from those painful moments. That's normal. We need to move past that. And we need to step into the mess that is these conversations. So the way that we do it is we have to think about, okay, let's say you need to give, I think one of the hardest conversations we we can have is when we need to give our boss feedback. So we need to tell our boss something that's, and that's a really high stakes conversation to say, hey, you keep messaging me outside hours and it's creating a level of stress for me. So let's say that's a feedback conversation you need to have. The thing that I often see where they go wrong is people like, put it off, put it off, put it off. And then they finally talk about it, but they don't do it in a planned way. And they don't consider the person receiving that feedback. And then the conversation just goes pear-shaped. So what I want you to do is think about, okay, how do I plan for this conversation? And I'm not saying you need to practice it over and over. I'm not saying you need to take an hour to write out a really detailed messaging guide. But what I am saying is you need to think about the conversation and think about what you want to say before you say it. There's a couple of questions I like managers or leaders or any employee to ask before they deliver feedback. The first question, what is my core concern? Put a label on it. I want you to find out what is the problem. <laughs> so, you've got to think of yourself like a doctor trying to diagnose what the problem is for you or what the problem is for that other person. So, you want to give it some kind of label. So, let's say that instance where a boss keeps messaging you outside hours. I would say the label or the core concern is probably a boundaries problem or maybe it's an expectations problem. So, they might expect that it's okay to message you outside hours. But they don't realize that the impact on you is that you're then, if they message you at eight o'clock at night, then you're up for the next hour mulling over that work thing and you can't relax, you can't get to sleep, you start thinking about it for ages. So they don't realize that the impact of that is causing you a level of stress. We've done the core concern. So what is your core concern? You answer that question first. Then you go into what I've just described, which is what is the impact of this behavior or issue? So I want you to talk about the impact. The impact might be something on you. It might be something you're seeing on the team. Whatever that is, talk about the impact. And then the next part about it is what do you think might need to change? So what action or changes might help make this situation better? So you might come up with some areas that you think might improve the situation. And then the last thing you need to do when it comes to your planning is I want you to write down questions you can ask in the conversation. I want you to think about what are some good questions I could ask this person that might help make this conversation more of a two-way thing. So write those down in advance. You might write them down or you might just kind of have a think about what could those be so that when you walk into that conversation, be it on Zoom, in person, whatever, you walk in feeling like you've planned for that discussion. The other final thing you might think about is how does this person like to receive feedback? Are they the kind of person that needs a heads up? Are they the kind of person that likes to get a quick email to say, hey, I'd love to talk to you about this, this and this, when works? Have a think about how they like to receive feedback and then make sure that your communication or your prep for the conversation aligns with that preference and style that they have. The other thing I've been thinking about when it comes to feedback conversations is that we need to kind of do a bit of a self-assessment on where we're at. Like, how am I feeling going into this conversation. There's a couple of questions from Brene Brown's feedback checklist that are really good. I'm going to read some of them out because I think they're things that we need to think about before we have the conversation. So in our preparation for having this, ask yourself some of these. These are from her feedback checklist. I'm ready to give feedback when I can sit next to you rather than across from you. I'm willing to put the problem in front of us rather than between us. I'm ready to listen, ask questions, and accept that I may not fully understand the issue. I'm ready to acknowledge what you do well instead of picking apart your mistakes. I'm aware of the power dynamics, implicit bias, and stereotypes. I can hold you accountable without shaming or blaming. I'm open to owning my part. So there's some of the questions that she has in her feedback checklist. We'll put a link in the show notes so you can download that from her website. Those questions are really powerful things to ask, to just sense check where you're at before you walk into the conversation. Having a bit of a self-awareness moment to go, am I just super reactive and agitated? Am I overreacting? Am I shaming or blaming this person and not open to owning my own role in this situation? Those are really important questions you can ask. And just simply answering that, If your answer to the question about owning your part is no, I'm not not ready to own my part, well, then you're probably not ready to have a conversation because there's always multiple perspectives at play in any kind of conflict at work. So I want you to think about these things before you have the conversation. And that is why rule number one, don't wing it, plan it. Rule number two of how to give feedback is avoid the feedback bomb. And the feedback bomb happens in every single workplace. I've seen this so many times. I've done this myself. So I am sorry to the people that I've done, <laughs> done this to. It sounds like this. It's, hey, Sam, do you have time for a quick chat? And then immediately that person's like, I'm going to get fired. This is the worst day of my life. And I know I've talked about this on the pod before. It bears repeating. The feedback bomb is not good. And the reason why it's not good is it gets people on the defensive straight away. So instead of being open and curious towards the conversation, they retreat from it. They kind of get their armor up. We talked about that in the last episode, that a common problem that happens in these conversations is that people get defensive. If you do the feedback bomb, what happens is you're often making it easier for you as the giver because you're kind of like because you're just like, let's just go, let's go, let's do this. But it doesn't make it easier for the receiver. So we need to think about, okay, how do I avoid an ambush? How do I avoid this person feeling blindsided by this conversation? And how do I set them up to really lower their defenses? Another feedback bomb is when people send really detailed, constructive feedback by email or via Slack or Teams chat, and they just send this really detailed feedback. And it's like, holy crap. And I know you'll all have received this. You all have experienced this. So when you get like the pages of long feedback in an email and you get it on a Friday afternoon, like four in the afternoon, and then your whole weekend is ruined because all you can do is think about, well, how do I respond? Like there's no chance to kind of talk that through. There's some assumptions in there. This person could have picked up the phone and called me. You know, those moments where you get that feedback bomb and it's it's not good in person or over Zoom, but it's even worse if it's over email or Slack. So we really need to think about how do I set this conversation up for a win? And the way that we do that is we give people control over when the conversation happens. So the way I would do this is simply say, let's use the boss example again. So I'd say to my boss, hey boss, <laughs> I want to talk to you about some of the conversations we have outside hours. I've just got some ideas about what we could do with that and I just wanted to talk them through with you when works for you to chat. And they might go, hey, we've got our check-in scheduled for in two days' time, let's do it then. So simply giving the heads up and what you're doing, instead of talking about your boss and saying, hey, I've got a problem with you, you're saying, I've got this like concern over here about some of the communication. So the way that you frame that conversation is you make the problem the activity, not the person. The problem isn't the boss. The problem is the activity or the the kind of communication that happens outside hours. And so if we think about that question of I'm ready to put the problem in front of us rather than between us, you're able to then look at how do I communicate this from the outset to make it not a personal issue with that particular person I'm giving feedback to but I make it about the problem I think that's a really healthy way to frame it up the other way you might talk about it let's say there is an issue with someone's attention to detail another common problem on teams and someone sent out an email with some data in it that was inaccurate so the way you would frame that is going hey I noticed this email went out I think I've picked up a few little errors in there. When works for us to kind of go through it and I can talk you through what I've seen and we can chat about it. So again, make it about the problem, not about the person. And that lowers the defences. You're going to avoid that feedback bomb feeling by giving them control over when that conversation takes place. That is the way that you keep these conversations really healthy and you help disarm their defences. So that's your job as the giver of feedback. Number one, don't wing it, plan it, and number two, avoid the feedback bomb. Number three, choose clarity over comfort. I think there's this moment in every feedback conversation where we have a choice. We kind of start the conversation off. We we raise some of our concerns, and there's this like feeling where we're either drawn into a really honest, authentic conversation. Or we're drawn towards softening the whole thing and making it easier on everyone. And that's where we choose comfort, when we kind of withdraw and go, I really should say this, but I'm just going to pull back a bit. I'm going to tone it down and stay kind of safe and comfortable because I'm nervous to go there. What I want you to do is become really self aware in these conversations of when you feel that gravitational pull towards comfort because usually that's that's a sign that you're about to get to the most important message sometimes i think you can even feel it in your body this withdrawal from the toughest part of the conversation it usually has something to do with a level of vulnerability so i remember having a conversation with someone once it was one of those feedback bomb emails and a manager i was leading the hr team and a manager had sent me a really detailed email about something that she felt that I'd dropped the ball on. And it was a good, like what she was communicating was was good and we needed to have that conversation. But the thing was, it was a conversation, not an email. And we kind of sat down and went through it all and talked about, okay, well, here's what we can do differently next time. And here's what I need to do. And I was owning my part of, yep, I've dropped the ball here. I need to make some changes in my process. But there was this moment in the conversation where I felt like I need to tell her that in future if she has a concern she needs to call me instead of email me and I felt this thing of like I can't I can't say that because I feel like that's going to be petty or I feel like that's vulnerable or I don't want her to think that I'm offended and so I started to withdraw from that part of the conversation and instead I remember just thinking okay I've got this choice to make I either choose to kind of lean into the discomfort and I'm going to be clear with her about the problem, or. I just kind of go, you know what, it's not worth it. And I'm just going to choose to be comfortable. And what I did was I went, went okay, I, tell, I, I, gotta, I just got to go there and I've got to choose clarity. So I said to her, oh, hey, am I, is it okay if we talk about the way we do feedback here between you and I? And she was like, yeah, yeah, go for it. It's like, oh, I just, I think what you had to say and what you had to communicate was really important. And I really need to hear your feedback. It's really important to me. I would love if in future you could pick up the phone and call me if you've got detailed constructive feedback, because I felt a bit thrown by that email. I read it at night and I kept me up all night because I was worried about how you were feeling. I was worried about how I dropped the ball. And I think it's really important to me that we have that kind of relationship where we can just jump on a call or we can get on Zoom and have that chat because I Think that that makes for a healthier discussion. I found that so uncomfortable, but that unlocked this conversation between us. And she was able to say, Well, you know what? I would have called you, but I felt nervous about how you are going to take it on. And I, I felt awkward to raise this. So I just thought it'd be easier in an email, but I would have preferred to talk to you about it in the first instance. So just that simple vulnerability that act of choosing clarity and choosing to be clear over sticking in your comfort zone was the thing that kind of unlocked this conversation and her and I, our relationship improved and got so much better. And so there was so much more health in how we communicated with one another and way more respect because we knew that if there was a problem, we were going to be honest with each other about it. And I think that's the magic of when you get really good at these feedback conversations when you start to choose clarity over comfort, people trust you more because they know you're not going to be talking about them when they're not around. They know that you're going to tell them if there's an issue and you're going to have a really authentic conversation even when it's tough. So I think in that moment, be aware if you're sitting down with someone to have a difficult conversation, look for the cues in the discussion where you start to feel tempted to withdraw or retreat or choose comfort, that's the moment you need to look out for and go, okay, here's, here's, my, here's my chance to prove to myself that I'm going to be brave, I'm going to go there, and I'm going to be clear about the problem and kind with the person. So that is number three, choose clarity over comfort. Okay, just before we get to number four, which is my favorite rule, by the way, we're going to go to a quick break. If you want to grow in your career, I just wanted to remind you about our book, Sort Your Career Out and Make More Money. Glenn James and I have written this book to help you with any kind of career crisis, but also those things that you want, like getting a promotion, making more money, moving into a leadership role, or if it's time to quit your job, you can find our book wherever you get good books from, or you can listen on the audiobook, Sort Your Career Out and Make More Money. Now let's get back to the show. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. All right, my favorite rule out of these feedback rules. Rule number four is truth in kindness. I've seen so many conversations where leaders either swing to one way or another. They either go towards brutal honesty. So that's where they are really direct and clear about the problem, but they're unkind in how they deliver that to the person. And that to me brutal honesty, I I I don't know people kind of put that on a pedestal. They're like I'm just going to be brutally honest here. And that's how they open the conversation. I'm like, "Wait, stop." I don't think you need to be brutally honest. I think you can be honest and honesty can be tough and it can be tough to hear sometimes, but it doesn't need to be brutal. And I think if you're being brutal in the delivery, then you've missed a step because we shouldn't be brutally honest. We should deliver difficult truths in kindness. And I don't think that's wishy-washy. I think that is tough to do. It's way more difficult to do that than to be brutally honest. I'm just going to be brutally honest with you about truth and kindness. (laughs) Like the goal with difficult feedback, if we do this right, it should feel like an act of kindness to the person. And I'm so passionate about this because if you can help the other person feel your intention, that your intention is for their benefit, you're intending to serve them, you want to help them grow, it's going to make the whole conversation so much better. But if they feel like there's this element of like brutality and that you haven't thought about how you should deliver that, it's like what we talked about in the previous episode, that feedback is a gift. And if you're delivering it in brutal honesty, it's still a gift, but it's really poorly wrapped. It's like thrown together, and here you go, not much thought in how it gets delivered. So it is still a gift and it's the job of the receiver to find the gift, but I think it's the job of the giver to not deliver feedback in a brutally honest way. The job of the giver is to find that tension point of truth and kindness. And so one side is brutal honesty, but on the flip side, the opposite end of the spectrum is sugarcoating. So sugarcoating or what I would describe as like artificial sweetener, that is not good either. So that's when the message is unclear, but the intention is kind. So we don't want to like upset them. We don't want to hurt their feelings. So we water the whole thing down and try to make it more palatable. But what we do is we confuse the person. So we confuse them and it kind of can sound like this, hey, it's not a big deal, it's just something really little. I, I'm, it's like, look, take it or leave it. Anyway, and we water the whole message down and the person's like, what are you even saying? Or sometimes what people do when they're sugarcoating is that they use words that make it difficult for people to kind of understand what they're actually saying. So they might use jargon and say things like the communication needs to improve across the project. It's like just be clear, what does that even mean? I don't know what it means. So our goal in these conversations, we don't want to sugarcoat because that's unclear and it's difficult to work out what you what you mean. And we don't want to be brutally honest because I don't think we need brutality with honesty. The goal is truth in kindness, and that can look like simply opening the conversation, saying, "Hey, I really care about you, and I really want you to win." In what you're doing, or I really want you to succeed in your role. I think this thing that's happening over here might be holding you back. And for that reason, I just want to be able to talk to you about it because I want to see you get to where you want to go. I want to see you grow. And so simply stating your intention up front can be the thing that communicates that you care about this person and that you're doing it from that place of genuine care and concern. So for me, when I think about truth and kindness, that looks like the message being clear and the intention being kind. Doesn't mean you water it down. It doesn't mean that you shy away from the tough part of the discussion, but your intention when you walk in, you empathize with that person, you care about their success, you want them to win. And that then comes through in how you kind of show up in that conversation. And number five, rule number five, shut up and listen. There's this temptation we all have in feedback conversations where we can either make it a dialogue or we make it a monologue. And if anyone did drama in year 12, like I did drama um, and I did like, you know, they do those weird monologues for like 10 minutes. I just find that insane. I can't even imagine remembering a 10 minute monologue off by heart, but they were not great to watch, or at least I didn't think they were great to watch or mine wasn't. And a 10 minute monologue, as opposed to those group drama activities that you would do and there'd be like eight people and they'd be so weird, but there'd be lots of interaction, lots of dialogue. In feedback conversations, you get to make it a dialogue, not a monologue. And that means you have to have these moments where you just shut up and listen where you seek out that other person's perspective. If you're doing all the talking, you're doing something wrong. Like if it's just you, it's okay. I laugh because this is essentially a 30 minute monologue that I'm doing right now. <laughs> so please, what, for in future episodes, I need to get some, I've actually got tears in my eyes as I'm like, <laughs> in future, sorry, I got the giggles. In future episodes, I need to get some listener questions thrown in so it's not so monolog In these conversations. You need to find ways to make it a dialogue. So you might open it and go, hey, I've got this concern about this. This thing happened in our team meeting the other day and I felt like you cut me off a few times or whatever the issue is. I'd love to know this from your perspective. So you start adding in really good questions, coaching questions or questions that can make it a dialogue. Hey, this is my side, but help me understand your perspective. What did you notice in that meeting? Or for your boss, let's say, let's go back to that example about the boss for a sec, where the boss is messaging you outside hours. You might say, hey, I'd love to know about your style when it comes to working outside hours. Do you have an expectation of me to respond immediately? Or is that just you kind of getting stuff out there and then you're happy for me to follow it up afterwards? And that you're, you just know that I'll look at it the next day. Is that kind of your expectation? Having some of these questions that are open-ended will help you to create dialogue and create a discussion, not make it feel like a monologue. There's this great quote by Dan Pink that I always share in my workshops and he says, argue like you're right, listen like you're wrong. And I love that so much because it's the confidence to show up in the conversation and be brave and share difficult truths in kindness. So you're arguing like you're right but you create space in the conversation to listen like you're wrong. And there'll be questions you can ask like, what am I not seeing? What did I miss? What's your take on this? Tell me this from your side. This is such an important thing if we want to have successful feedback discussions at work. We need to make sure we've captured what are the questions that I want to ask. You know when you're preparing for an interview and everyone always asks And you prepare the questions that you want to ask at the end. This is the same. Prepare the questions that you want to ask throughout the conversation. Have little markers of make sure you ask about this. Make sure you ask how they're feeling. How have they been traveling at work? Things that get the conversation going, that allow for vulnerability and openness. By doing that, you're going to build trust. You're going to build psychological safety, which is a really important part of us having these conversations, and you're going to see it from multiple perspectives. So let's recap the five rules of feedback. Number one, don't wing it, plan it. Number two, avoid the feedback bomb. Number three, choose clarity over comfort. Number four, truth in kindness. And number five, shut up and listen. Well, that's it for this. Thanks for listening to part one and part two of this episode series. If you enjoyed it, give us some feedback, leave us a five-star rating and review wherever you listen. Helps us get the pod out there and share it with someone at work. I want you to share these episodes with someone who needs to hear it. Thanks heaps for hanging out.